0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by a true trailblazer. Christina Noel is a social entrepreneur, marketing strategist, business coach, and keynote speaker who specializes in helping mission driven organizations thrive. And in her spare time, she's a global leader in the benefit corporation, better known as B Corp, movement. So for all of you could-be and want-to-be social entrepreneurs out there, this is the podcast for you. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Christina.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be
0: here. We're thrilled to have you. So maybe we can start with the very basics, and you can explain to us exactly what a social entrepreneur is.
1: Ooh, what is a social entrepreneur? You know, it's so funny because... There's are certain people who are like, why does there even need to be a social and entrepreneurship and all entrepreneurs <laughs> be like socially driven? But I mean, the way that I define social entrepreneurship is this idea that you can use business as a force for good. And so for like a social cause, whether that be like helping people or the environment or your community, I mean, I have to call it like maximizing stakeholder value. Um, right. <laughs> and it's this idea that like, I mean, on one hand, some people are very strict. They think social entrepreneurship is you are only helping solve the world's greatest problems through business. And they're like very big into like, it's it's one thing and it's very mission driven. And not, I don't know, I take kind of a broader view. I'm like, how can your business make an impact? What does that look like? Just being willing to ask that question of how can we change the world and how can we change people's lives and make our community better? And oh yeah, and make some money. So, changing the
0: world is a sort of very ominous thing like people will sit back and be like oh dear god little me how am I going to change the world um but I think it's very connected to what you're passionate about and that cause that you know that you're willing to give sort of your heart and soul to in terms of driving would that be an accurate way to sort of break down that how can I change the world
1: yes I I love that well, cause it's so funny. I mean, it's so, it sounds so idealistic. I'm always, I've always been that person who like was <laughs> drawn to changing the world. But what does that mean? I mean, it can mean so many different things, right? Like on one hand, it's the ripples that you make, right? Like what is the direct impact you have on the people in your lives and the people that you're surrounded with and people that you live around, right?
0: Yeah. And then,
1: and then I, like the big change of the world stuff happens when you typically it's like the causes you're passionate about are often because of things that have happened to you or like life experiences you have, that whole like, what is my purpose in life? I mean, you don't find it, it kind of finds you. (laughs) Oftentimes, I mean, like in my life, it's been through hardships I've been through. Like I've had really challenging work environments sometimes and I've had jobs that didn't make me happy. And so like my deep passion is creating amazing, like fulfilling purpose-driven jobs, right? So it's like a direct result of my life experiences. And and so finding those problems that you're deeply passionate about and then creative ways to solve them, it adds up. I mean, one nice smile to somebody and taking care of one person changes the world, but also, you know, these bigger things like, what is this really complicated problem I'm willing to like dedicate my life to? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's the other way it's like the broader like longer term way so it's sort of
0: like something you feel in terms of I'm uncomfortable in this situation therefore there's a problem to solve and or I guess something that you observe and I guess that could be one in the same
1: yeah yeah totally
0: okay yeah and and so I
1: mean, sorry and go ahead seemed, oh I was just gonna say and I mean it's been fascinating to hear how people like approach that because like For me, like, I define, I'm like, well, what's the way I want to help solve that problem? So, like, I I use my talents and skill sets in a specific way, using marketing and strategy to, like, grow businesses or help people quit their jobs so they can, you know, make their own great jobs. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I've also, like, I've met a couple out of Taiwan that runs a company called Domi where they just hated the pollution problem and were like, nobody's going to solve this. I mean, if you want, I mean, that's like arguably one that's of amazing. the largest issues in the world. And so, I mean, their company has just been like, they started planting trees and then they've created a product that will automatically turn off your appliances. And then they've written children's books, you know, and then they've lobbied. Wow. Right? So, and so they've taken this one massive thing and then broken it down into like simple, smaller solutions. I love that.
0: So I, I love that they were able to take such a big problem and break it down into smaller pieces and that it's something they're so passionate about. But I want to just circle back to something you said about, you know, your business can do more, create more. Um, and so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the B Corp movement and all of that uh, thinking and approach.
1: Yes, I'd love to talk about that. Okay. So the B and B Corp stands for benefit. Yes. And... The B Corp movement really started with a certification program, so B Corp certification. Mm-hmm. And so B Corp certification is to an entire business what USDA organic certification is to milk or fair trade certification is to coffee, except instead of getting like a product certified as good for the world, they actually certify company. And so what does that well, look like? I love like? that
0: analogy, actually. That's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I
1: mean, instead of like creating great products, we're like, why don't we create great businesses? And mm-hmm. then when they were setting out to do that, they looked at, okay, well, how do we measure this? So they, that, I mean, in many ways, they're how I, I mean, how they're big into maximizing stakeholder value. Right. So they created an assessment. Mm-hmm. They look at a company's social and environmental impact, including- their governance structure? Like, do you operate in an ethical way? Um, How do you take care of your employees? That's huge. Um, What other companies do you work with? So who are your suppliers, right? Is your business's profit or like, are your business's operations helping drive change by supporting other great businesses? Mm -hmm. And then also of course your community more broadly and the environment as well. And so there's a lot of famous B Corps, which is pretty cool. Um, some of my faves include, oh man, how do I even pick? Like Allbirds, <laughs> Seventh Generation, Patagonia. Oh, yeah. mm. I'm so obsessed with Patagonia. Yeah, right? Isn't everybody yeah. though?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, my winter jackets, a hundred percent.
1: I know. I'm like, ah, I love my Patagonia. Yeah. Um, and beyond the certification program, it's also a global movement. So there's okay. nearly 4,000 certified B Corps across the globe. Also oh. in both the United States, there's many states that actually have like a legislative form called the Benefit Corporation. And like certain countries have that as a actual legal form. So instead of okay. like a C Corp or an S Corp, you can actually register as a Benefit Corporation like legal oh, form, that's cool. which is pretty cool. And yeah. it causes confusion. <laughs> <laughs> The difference is there's a non-profit behind the certification program and the state itself is behind the legal form. So, it's, it's kind of crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how did you get involved in all of it? Like how did you get started in all of this social entrepreneur B Corp all of these things? What was your first Oh my step?
1: gosh. Well, I mean, there's kind of two ways. I mean, like there's like the personal way, which is like I was at a pivot point in my career and I was at a bar and a friend asked me like what would you do if you didn't have to worry about money and I was like I love that question I asked my team that question yeah (laughs) and I I, it's such a good question and nobody had ever asked me that like I never thought about that I was like Mm -hmm. oh I just want to help people like I knew the answer immediately I was like if I was because it's a question that's really what would you do if you weren't afraid right like of course you have to worry about money But if you didn't, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I'm like, I would just have a career that's purpose-driven and helps people. I still didn't know what that really meant. And so because of that, though, like that day, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm going to commit to this. I don't know what that means, what this is. But it was somehow like making an impact. And then being, I don't know, it's just my personality. I was like, well, I need to transition. So I went and got my MBA. And in doing research for my MBA program, that's where I like stumbled upon a TED talk by Jay Cohen Gilbert. He's one of the co-founders of B-Lab and I was, and he started talking about this B-Corp movement. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to go run a nonprofit. Like there's actually (laughs) businesses that are changing the world. And I was like, well, that's cool. Like I want to learn more about that. And so between my first and second year of my MBA program, I like actually landed a dream internship with B-Lab. The nonprofit behind the D. Oh, Department. cool! Okay, yeah. So, yeah. talk about like cool summer internship and they, <laughs> Yeah, like they had an office like thirty minutes from my hometown mm. in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is where I went to undergrad too. So I got to like come home for the summer, and then they paid us as MBA interns to go out and audit ten different mission-driven companies wow and so they like audit the certification process is no joke like you have to get like 80 points out of one out of 200 which sounds easy it's not yeah (laughs) and then they like (laughs) rigorously audit your practices to confirm you're not lying and that's basically what we got what we got hired to do so we got to go up and down the east coast and like visit 10 different companies and one of those was actually a ben and jerry's which was
0: oh like
1: (laughs) life-changing <laughs> i actually did yeah. know ben and jerry's is a b corp really they are yeah oh, so cool. oh my gosh yeah <laughs> so uh, that day i mean changed my life like in many ways that day was huge for me because we got to go to burlington vermont which if you've never been there it's beautiful it's like this great college town Yeah. and to see the impact that this one company has had on that community like everything that they source locally they source locally you know, they bring in tourism, they take care of their employees, like, and I mean, they've just shifted the economy, right? Like they create great jobs, and it's about so much more than the ice cream. And I mean, plus, they're such a cool brand too, right? Like they're a great advocacy brand. And I was like, if this one company can make that much of an impact, like this movement is huge, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm in, like, business as a force for good. I'm like, I'm committed. I'm, I'm bought in. And love so it. I lucked out, was able to land a role at a B Corp coming out of my MBA program, actually again at home. So I got to move home nice. and then I've been involved ever since. Like now I own my own B Corp, which is really fun.
0: That's pretty phenomenal. And I love the way you phrased how that all started with that question around what would you do if you didn't have to worry about money being the core of that question is what would you do if you were not afraid? Yep. And I think that is just something profound that our listeners should really ask themselves.
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, it's the ultimate question and it ties really closely to, I don't know if you I don't remember who the author is, but there was a really viral article from a caretaker at the end of life who asked, who wrote this amazing article about like the top, five or 10 biggest regrets people have. And the number one is living a life, not for yourself, if that makes sense. Yes. And so, I mean, that whole fear thing, I mean, it's so easy for your life to be driven by expectations or like fear versus, yes. okay, but what if I, but what's actually possible, right? Like if, if I were to get outside of my comfort zone and think bigger, what does that look like? And I'm I mean, in full disclosure, like <laughs> I, um, I mean, it, it was not an easy choice. Like I put the stake in the ground and I called my parents and my mom was like, my mom was concerned. She was like, no, very no doubt. No,
0: it's not only your own fears, but your families and everybody that cares about you, all of those fears come into play.
1: I mean, really, she was like, I'm very concerned that you're not going to end up with a life that you want because you're going to go down this path. And I'm like, I hear you and i don't care and (laughs) you know and i'm like noted but i'm you know not gonna live my life in fear my my dad at least heard that like i had some rational plans to still be able to make a living but yeah but still i mean it's not like it was, oh, I just made this decision. It was easy. Instead, it was, it was like terrifying to like put that stake in the ground. I wrote all of my MBA essays. They were like, I want to make an impact. And they're like, don't all of you, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely one of the many millennials. I'm the elder millennial. (laughs) The elder
0: millennial. Yes.
1: I love that. That's who we are. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, and it turns out I'm not alone. I think it's 60 to 70% of millennials. Mm-hmm. Check a business's social and environmental impact before deciding where to work. So yeah. uh yeah. FYI, Absolutely. your talent cares about this.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And it's um it's I think the big message there is it's all of these fears of, you know, uh what you're about to face and then the reality that you're gonna face a lot of stuff. It's gonna be messy, it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be challenging. Um, how would you advise people to, and I know you can't prepare for what you don't know, but how do you sort of prepare yourself to accept that life is going to be real messy as you go down this path of passion?
1: (laughs) I mean, what's so interesting is it's once you make the choice, making the first step is the scariest part. Yeah. And then And then understanding that it's just going to feel uncomfortable for a while. Cause I mean, I I think of like even my MBA program, like, I mean, I was even talking to like one of the MBA counselors and they're like, Oh, that's cute. But there's not that many CSR jobs or corporate social responsibility jobs. And so, I mean, like if you start telling people your passion and it's idealistic, like people will write you off, but that's just it though. Is If you are consistent I mean it's it's marketing actually. If you're consistent and you put yourself out there and you are authentic and you keep saying the same thing over and over again, eventually you will start meeting the right people. Like it does shockingly and weirdly work out. And so you have to take that first step. And then getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, that is like the ultimate life skill set, I think. <laughs> because yes. I mean the only thing yes. constant is change. Yes. And so If you can get comfortable with understanding, you know what, that person, there's going to be people who think I'm crazy and I don't care. They're not my people. (laughs) They're
0: not my people. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, I love what you're talking about in terms of, it's going to be scary. It's going to be messy. It's going to be all of these things, but you do it anyway, because that we talk about a lot on this podcast. That is the definition of courage is you're being scared out of your mind potentially or fearful, but you do it anyway. And follow that that curiosity, follow that passion and and see where it takes you and be brave enough to be in that uncomfortable space.
1: It's really life-changing. I mean, it is, and and I love that too. Like courage is definitely not the absence of fear. No. It's, it's doing
0: things with the very strong presence of fear, right there with
1: you. One hundred percent. I mean, yeah. and that's just it. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like the Brene Brown. Um, I love that she brought up the Teddy Roosevelt arena. Yes. Yeah. Saying, you know, yeah. you know, if people aren't in the arena, like, don't even worry about their opinion. But that's just it. So many people don't get in the arena. They don't make themselves vulnerable. They don't try and potentially fail. Yeah. But that's just it. Like. At the same time, our society also doesn't really condition us to be okay with failure, which is kind of a problem too. Like, It does I the watch, opposite. Yeah, like I watched the opposite where I was, I'm, I'm, I'm like, love the Gilmore Girls, for example. Yes, so do and, I. <laughs> and I've been watching that, re-watching the show, and I'm like, here she is, like, making, you know, perfect grades, valedictorian. Yes. Yes. And the minute she fails once, she crumbles because her whole life like right like achievement equals good yes but really like to actually be prepared for life and to succeed in life you actually have to be really yeah like you actually have to fail a bunch like failing a bunch is going to be the prerequisite like requirement to success absolutely and it's
0: um Not to, not to say what, you know, I love Brene Brown and everything she talks about. When you talk about not caring about the people who aren't in the arena, it's actually really hard to let go of that um, worry about your perception, what everybody thinks, all of these judgments that are going on. How did you navigate that piece and sort of start, I'm sure it's not an overnight thing, obviously, but how did you start to let go of those? those concerns
1: yeah oh man I mean it took me a long time I mean some of it was you know in one hand like going through my own mental health journey and like learning how to you know unravel the stories I was telling myself because I was I'm totally a recovering people pleaser yeah and (laughs) I mean I do very much care what people think and you know like at least that's like my natural state and yet I mean entrepreneurship has served me very well and that you know whenever you're in because it's so easy to talk to people who are in jobs that are really challenging or that are in like groups you know the wrong friend group or the wrong social group or sure. you know they're worried about the wrong people yeah but if you're in it if you're surrounded by it like we are tribal people right like there's also some element yes. of just human nature which is we need people we need groups we want to we need people to survive and so it's like survival instinct to like care what people think cuz you don't want to get cast out by the tribe or you're going to die and so <laughs> yeah i mean truly and so it's like, survi- it's a survival mechanism right yeah it is so caring yeah. what people think is actually pretty normal yes. however if you can start like once you start doing those brave things and you know showing courage and finding people who are more like you and finding and surrounding yourself with other people who are brave, Mm -hmm. then it gets easier. Cause then, you know, whenever you're about to do something scary, you can like call your friend who's been (laughs) there and say, I'm terrified. This is very uncomfortable. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know you got this. You just take that one more step. You're almost there. Right. Like, so like having a support network is key. And then being able, I mean, this is where entrepreneurship is especially amazing is I'm able to surround myself People every day and clients that I work with, who are right, like amazing people, mm, <laughs> and yeah. and you know I'm not afraid of. I mean they they pay me to be authentic and be honest with them, <laughs> so <laughs> you know and, and then worst case like I have multiple clients, so it's if one if one fires me because they didn't like what I said, okay, you know, I, mm. no problem, right? Like my business will survive. It's not the end of the world and. And I, at the end of every day, I get to go home, and I'm not surrounded by like culture, like this deep culture. Instead, I'm, I'm creating my own company's culture, and my culture is very conducive to, you know, authentic authenticity <laughs> and support. And I mean, when we have crucial conversations, it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah,
0: like, yeah. And and oh, you're able be to have those difficult conversations and and still be a team at the end of the day, and all of these things because. You know, what I heard you say there is, is what you talk about in terms of the organizations that you help, that you're mission driven. So yeah, yeah, a client doesn't like you or somebody doesn't get what you're doing onwards, they go because they don't fit the mission.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and we probably don't fit theirs, right? Like if we're not right fit, then we're wasting, we're like, we don't want to work with people who we can't help. We have better uses of our time and also like vice versa, right? Like, yeah we want them to succeed. And if we're not the right fit, then we're not the right fit. It's fine.
0: (laughs) I think that's very powerful also that like understanding where you fit and where you don't because we don't all fit everywhere. And, you know, letting go of that people pleasing piece where you want to please everyone. Um, And it comes down to I think the conversation
1: around the ability to say no to things or peace. Yes, you've hit on a (laughs) deep passion of mine, like no. I mean, I have really, really struggled with it like in the past. I mean, hated saying no. I actually have a blog post that I wrote maybe like a year and a half ago that's how to politely say no. Politely and, I mean, I, say no. Okay. <laughs> how to like or how to like, you know, correctly. Respectfully. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. And, and don't don't get me wrong, it is not just mine. It's like an amalgamation of like multiple people's advice. But sure. it's something to the extent of like At the moment, I am currently at capacity with the commitments I've made to my clients and my family. And then I have very nice, very eloquent, very well articulated. I love it. Yeah. And then it's like a choose your own adventure. I'm like, do I just say I'm so sorry, but here's a resource? Or do I say, hey, circle back in a few months. I'd really love to connect. Yeah. Um, But I use like. I, I get to times where I'm like, Oh, I'd really like to help this person, but I really don't have time. I use that all the time. Like I would go back and find that template and be like, you know, you need to say no. Cause I have made the mistake so many times throughout my life to saying yes to too many things yes. and then burning myself out, which mm-hmm. is, and that's when you let people down is when you say yes, when you really wanted to say no, and then you exhaust yourself because you signed up for something that's going to really suck your energy out yeah. <laughs> and and you know also you're kind of doing them a disservice because you're you're lying right like you're saying yes when you meant no, no. and you're doing something it, out of obligation it, it
0: is actually and when you look at it as like okay I'm lying to this you're lying to the person you're lying to yourself too right today right like you're being dishonest with yourself and that that almost spiral that you talked about, like that's when you start to let people down. It's when you've taken on too much and then you're letting them down, which makes you feel bad. You let yourself down and then you try to do more and more and more. And then it just spirals out of control.
1: It yeah. does. And and it could take a huge toll on your health, which I have been there. I mean, oh. part of my leap in entrepreneurship, by the time I left and started my company, I mean, I was so burned out. Mm -hmm. I was starting to have like autoimmune like symptoms. I mean, we've never diagnosed me with an official autoimmune disease, but, you know, and and what's crazy is I now hear that all the time. Like when I talk about this is my journey and this is what happened. I meet overachievers all the time. Same deal. They work themselves into an autoimmune disease. And I'm just now I like try to talk about it. I'm like, don't do that don't do that that
0: to your body yeah
1: yeah yeah like it takes years to heal that and you're still never quite the same and I mean I'm fine it's not a sad story but I'm like your health is everything and you only understand that when you lose it but no nobody like if anybody's mad at you for saying no like that that's so rude of them to like say that your time with your friends and family and that you're, you're you honouring your commitments isn't good enough of a reason. Well, fine. Like, do you really want to know that person? <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that. Actually, if someone
0: is unable to accept a no from you, then that's them being disrespectful to you.
1: Exactly. Like that's your problem. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get it. That's out. a
0: them problem, not a not a you problem. Like a you problem, not a me problem, kind of thing.
1: One hundred percent. And when you start realizing that, you're like. Oh, oh, it's it's actually that <laughs> it's not me, right? Like, yeah, I've politely said no, and if they disrespect that, then you know, shame on them. <laughs> and yeah. you hold your ground, like, because being a pushover. Oh, here, there's a deeper like side to it too. It wasn't until I was in my MBA program, where I did a leadership program, and I got 360 degree feedback
0: and up until mm. that point I was
1: like I'm a people like I'm like I'm great with people this, is, <laughs> this isn't this is bad right like I I create yeah. like a community yeah and then I got my feedback back and it was a hard dose of reality like basically people were saying yes Christina is a people pleaser and what that means is we don't feel that she's strategic and that she like you know what I mean like they're there are negative consequences of that you're not being yes. strategic. You're not yeah. taking your full leadership role. Like you're not meeting up to your full potential because you're trying to just keep the peace. Like that's you're, not you. That's not you. Spending
0: all of your effort and energy on keeping everybody happy. Exactly. It's the wrong place exactly. to focus it. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Laughing. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know that pain. I felt that <laughs> I know yeah. I was like oh <laughs> it really is not a good thing okay now I understand that I be yes. perceived as a people please but not even just perceived I just we're not happy like when you say no to things it's uncomfortable for a moment but I mean I've actually gotten to where I'm like oh I said no and I'm, I feel great about that feel great about it yeah and because it's
0: you're no longer doing a disservice to yourself which does a disservice to everybody else
1: exactly and then cool when a cool opportunity comes up you because are you said to. no yeah then you yeah. can do it
0: you and have this, the capacity you, to do it yeah
1: yeah because it, it's almost like you can get to a place where if it's not a hell yes it's no but then like those hell yes opportunities come up and you're like yeah yeah <laughs> I'm <positioned laughs> yeah to, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm ready to say yeah. fired up I'm ready to go um and you know just Kind of circling back to those people because there will be people who criticize there will be people who get angry with you for saying no but sometimes it's better to remove these people than to keep them around and try to please like it's just a a sign almost that like you know what maybe you and I are not meant to be thank you wish you all the best goodbye
1: <laughs> yes 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 and like related to that um at one point recently, I interviewed a woman who's interviewed more than 50 women who have changed the world. And I asked, I was like, what was the biggest takeaway from that, you know, exercise? And and her answer was the number one thing that came up again and again and again was not trusting your intuition. Mm. And anytime I've had someone who is uncomfortable with a no or uncomfortable with boundaries that I put in, my intuition is always like red flags have gone off. And, And now like I've learned, I'm like, nope, this is going to be really uncomfortable, but we're going to break up before, before it even starts. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> It's yeah. relationships, right? Like it is. Yes. Business, business is relationships. I mean, whether you're employed by someone or you're building a business and if someone isn't comfortable with you setting boundaries, well, you're probably not going to make them happy ever. And also you're not going to be happy working with them, right? Like you're just not the right fit.
0: Yeah. And it, you know, as they say, it's like some people are meant to stay in your lives for a moment. You learn what you need to learn from them and you let them go a short time, a long time. There are songs about it. There are all these things like all these different people are going to come and interact with you on your life journey and your path. And it's your choice whether they continue that walk with you or not.
1: Exactly. Like you have so much more control than you think you do. Mm. Like because that's another thing like anytime I've really struggled in life it's when I like felt helpless like I felt trapped in a role or like I wasn't sure what was next and the reality is if if things aren't going well at work go start start applying immediately you 100% have control to go and work on getting another job right like yeah if if someone is toxic in your life you have the ability to cool that friendship or you know yeah. Basically in boundaries like and once you realize that and start exercising and again, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, it's it's a game changer. It's just like, oh, wow. Like, look at all the time I have when I'm not stressed out about things that are irrelevant. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, I was just talking to someone earlier about, um, you know, she had applied for a job and she didn't get it. And I said, you know, um, you learn almost as much from the jobs that you do get and you learn something really important about the ones that you don't, because, you know, as you were talking about earlier, like, Oh, I didn't get it. It wasn't good enough for that job. I'm like, ah, it wasn't the right fit for you.
1: It, exactly. wasn't, it
0: wasn't meant for you. It was meant for someone else. So like w- start looking for where your right fit is and not where you fit.
1: Exactly. Or trying to
0: make yourself fit into something, if that makes sense.
1: Because uh, I love that. If you I mean we spend more time at work than we do with our friends and family. Like mm, at yeah. the end of the day, if you can't be your authentic self, and then, I mean, if you're just if you, if they don't perceive you as the ultimate right fit, right? Like you're already yeah. starting off on the wrong foot. And then yeah. also if you and your special skill sets and talent and your personality, like you're not the right fit for that culture, like you don't want to be there. Right. It's not, going not the good right experience. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, and you spend so much time in a job. And, it, and it's hard though, because oftentimes people will start looking for a job when things are already bad. Yeah. And it can really it really can take a long time to transition. Yeah. Because it is that fit problem. But so many people take that rejection personally, like, oh, it's something wrong mm. with me. And it's like, yes. there's nothing wrong with you. It's just you are the right one. I love what you said. You're not the right fit. And that's yeah. totally okay. That's not personal.
0: And that fit goes both ways. You're not the right exactly. fit. They're not the right fit for you. So yeah. let her go. And I, you know, I say let her go to a lot of people. I'm like, I gotta learn how to let go of myself. <laughs> like, I gotta practice what I preach, all of these things.
1: I know. Uh, Everything is simple, but not easy. That's like my entire life. That's I'm like, oh, hundred percent. Simple. Yeah. Very much not easy, like uh uh no, (laughs) definitely not. Um, And
0: when we're you know in that like we're talking about jobs and career, like creating an environment where um, people can find really meaningful work, and like Mm. how do you look for that job that's you know those purpose driven jobs? Um, What does that
1: that mean to you, and how do you how do you bring that to life? Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, you have to decide what that means for you. Right. And I mean, I think it starts with like, number one, exploring what does success mean to you? And mm. know that that can change. So, Like at one point I interviewed this amazing graphic designer. She's, she has a podcast, one part podcast, her name's Jessica Mernan. And, yeah. and she was like, you know what, first off, like you need to know your definition of success. Because she had gone and gotten a job. And I was like, wow, you got a job at a B Corp. She's like, yeah. I don't really care about that. She's like, I just been a graphic designer for eight or nine years. And she was like, I just want to know I'm going to have a steady income right now. <laughs> and yeah, it's a good fair. brand and I feel totally good about it. I was like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, that is freaking awesome. Cause she's totally a change maker. She was so humble. She didn't identify as such, but yeah, I love that, right? Like if you are at a place in your life that you you can define success in way, that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, like changing, you know, finding purpose in your career is a journey. And so like, if it can't be at work, maybe it's outside of work and you start right. working towards like having more purpose just in your life, not necessarily mm-hmm. your career. I mean, I volunteered for years and years and years and years. Yes, <laughs> you know, a lot yes. of my, like a lot of my experience was gained just through volunteerism alone. And then over time, you know, where do you find these purpose-driven roles? Well, then you also have to look at like, what are the causes you actually care about? Because I, like, for example, I love sustainability and clean energy, but that is, for some reason, like, I'm just so much more drawn to people. People, like, like, different people are going to identify with different causes, just naturally. Don't get me wrong. I know that, like, there are no people on a planet that does not exist. (laughs) Like, I I do everything I can to support my environmentalist friends, (laughs) but... Like the the problems that fascinate me are typically people related. That's just what I'm curious about. And yeah. so figuring out what you are good at and what interests you, then what are your skill sets? So like in my case, strategy and marketing. Like I've yes. known that since my MBA program. I'm like a mix of like right brain, left brain. Yes. Like yes. creative, but strategy. Like that's my happy place. And so the sooner you like, the better you can articulate. I want, I mean, it's so funny. I, I literally at the end of my MBA program was emailing people, Do you have a marketing and strategy role? I wanted to work in marketing and strategy at a mission driven organization with less than 120 people. Like, there's very specific. I love it. So, you wanted to, like, you wanted the small startup, small
0: organization, very specific mission, very specific role. I think that's great that you had that. Because so that's very fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. the more specific you can get at the kind of work you're great at, mm-hmm. then you're cheated up for success, right? And then that builds confidence, and then finding the right company is then the next kind of key part. Right. So it's finding the right culture, finding the right mission, and or eventually doing what I did, which is just building your Build <laughs> building out. your dream company. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so you actually have two organizations, not one. Um, so tell me how you got there and how you became a founder.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, it's kind of too, they're still all Noel and Co. So we have like the parent okay. business, but yeah. they, they do, we do the same things, but we serve businesses at a different phase or like we serve like a slightly different customer. So like, okay. I have Noel and Co, which is my marketing and strategy consultancy Often when I talk about, like, I'm obsessed with how do you make money and have purpose. And so our sustainable business model is working with mission-driven organizations that have product market fit. So like they're already making money. They're doing pretty well. Like they've got like some established credibility or, you know, some success and either they're really on a fast pace of growth and need to transition their brand or their Mm -hmm. marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. or they just need a refresh. Like they've, they've changed and evolved and they need to grow up. And so like, for example, I mean, I've worked with a fast growing startup that had one product for nonprofits and then now all of a sudden had two. And so like that changed like their identity of a company. So they needed a whole new marketing strategy and brand positioning and value proposition and right. Like it's, they were already making money, but they they needed to grow up and how they talked about themselves. And um, then there's another like nonprofit that they've grown rapidly because of a type of loan that they offer, but they've never actually had time to do like proper marketing. And so they were like, okay, Uh it's time for us to have a marketing function now, (laughs) what (laughs) do we do, right? Like, so they're organizations with resources. Yeah. But I'm also deeply passionate about early stage founders, and so nice. because of that, I created a program called—I mean, I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to cuss, but figure your shit out. I love it. <laughs> you can, can bleep me out if you want. No, we won't <laughs> but- it.
0: We won't be bleeping anything. Don't worry. <laughs> I, yeah, I, figure- that's so honest. Figure shit out is how startup entrepreneurs at the very beginning—that's how you feel. You're like, oh. God,
1: how am I going to do this? Yes. Well, and it's also figure your shit out. And so it's interesting. And I mean, we talk about it as an accelerator program, but really it's kind of an entrepreneurial leadership program, which is what we talked about. It's how do you find product market fit? How do you build a business that aligns with your personal goals? Right? Like who are you? What kind of founder do you want to be? Do you really want to be an entrepreneur? Like how do you want to change the world? And then can we build a business that's as sustainable for you as it is for the world. Right. And a lot of that too is there's a deep need for a community based or like, I just personally could not find any resource that gave me the tools I needed, but also just gave me community where like other people Mm. were going through the same like situations of putting themselves out there and failing and trying and theme in the midst of not having answers and it's so profound to be able to go through that again with people who are like you who are also in the arena yeah and um we created a program for that it's like a pay what you can program we're in our third cohort and um we've got about 10 founders and it's six months too so yeah Yeah. i mean we help them figure their shit out and grow and and then make it what's nice about the program is they define success too so we don't have an agenda we're not trying to like push you in one direction instead it's if you have this idea or you're working on a business or you're at like kind of a transition point come yeah. to this program do the market research like get the tools but also just get support find your people yeah. <laughs>
0: Find your tribe, the people that will support you. I love it. I love it. And figured that yes. was just that's so honest. And um, we will put both links to both of your organizations in the description of the podcast, so our listeners can uh, can access
1: those too. <laughs> awesome. And then what it was funny is um Figures it out that the acronym is FISO, so we also call it FISO a lot. Um. See, great
0: FISO. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It sounds very um. Like it sounds speedy and action oriented, FISO.
1: Totally. <laughs> we try, man. We try. So I mean, like our hope is like FISA will create the next generation of leaders. And then yes. our consultancy ideally like works with organizations that will create a bunch of jobs, which is super fun. Right. Like they're mission driven. If we can help them grow, I mean I've seen firsthand. If you're at an organization that is not growing. Mm -hmm. it can quickly become like game of thrones, right? Like, oh yeah, people will. Yeah, absolutely. There's not opportunities for growth, right? Your business isn't growing. So instead it's how do I win with these limited resources? And so I'm like, if we can just create growing, thriving organizations, (laughs) help them scale, get their marketing and strategy right, then they'll create jobs and People will have better lives. <laughs> so, what I would anyway. love
0: about, you know, you talking about both of your organizations and what their missions are, it, it is all so connected in your passion for people and exactly. community and creating that. Like It's so clear how everything connects into that core of who you are, which is amazing.
1: Well, and you know, the thing too, that's so funny is um, I was like recently speaking at an event and we were talking about personal branding and, and you know, there's so many times throughout like my entrepreneurial journey where people like you're all over the place. And then I've kind of realized, I'm like, no, I'm actually doing this pretty much using the same tools and the same strategies with two different clients in two different ways. Yeah. And, and it's just two different customers. So obviously they have different brands, right? They have different needs, mm-hmm. but it's the same mission and and so know that if you ever go through like one of those life transitions and people don't quote-unquote get it yeah just know that like hindsight's 2020 20, you'll sort out the yeah. story yeah <laughs> yeah there's always a method to your madness and <laughs> one day you'll get it to where. I mean it, it makes me so happy that you're like that all makes perfect sense I'm like, <laughs> you're man, like man I'm really yeah. <laughs> glad to hear that you're like that took a long time to figure out
0: and I yeah. love how honest you are about that because I you know I never want to give anyone the impression and I don't think anyone who actually truly lives their lives would believe that that life is easy it is a beautifully messy and challenging thing and it, it sort of circles back to the whole conversation of courage I think We have to be courageous every day and everything that we do, every choice that we make. Um, There's a little voice there. There's a little question sometimes and it's just, you know, moving through life despite that. And then you get to a place where everything connects. Just
1: Uh, I mean, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, for me, oh, I mean, that was another reason that FISO got created was, I mean, entrepreneurship, smack me in the face and I had I did not <laughs> see it coming like I mean up until I quit my job also I did it in the most risky way possible too. Like, I mean I have a amazing life partner who is very supportive but oh, okay. my idea and impression of entrepreneurship was like business school and collaborating in like a student environment and then I got really involved in these things called startup weekends which or, yes. or when a bunch of nerdy people all come together and build their businesses and so like mm-hmm. I thought of startup as community, and yeah. then when I quit my job <laughs> to build my own company, without yeah. you know like the, the without the plan fully fleshed out, I self isolated because people love to ask, "What are you up to? How's your business going?" Well, let me tell you, in the beginning, it's not going well. <laughs> like it, <laughs> I mean, it's not going well. <laughs> feel like it's going well it's like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm having a panic attack every day and mm-hmm. so I isolated and that is not healthy right like it mm-hmm. was isolating I was terrified all the time like it was so stressful and painful mm-hmm. and I didn't I mean I slowly found my community it took about like six to eight months but I yeah. suffered deeply <laughs> during that time yeah no people shouldn't have to do that right it shouldn't have to be suffering like if you're surrounded by people who are going through it too you're going to realize very quickly like everyone feels this way everyone's yeah. uncomfortable everyone fails like and then, then we can normalize it and make it kind of fun <laughs> I
0: think that's the key is that normalizing feeling and that feeling that you're not alone
1: 100 percent
0: I think this whole, you know, COVID scenario and, and you're like, you were like, I isolated. I'm like, oh, you're we isolating before COVID. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're sort of really forced into it now. And um, it can be hard to meet, like, you know, before you could go out to these groups and you could go out to social events and you could go out to these, you know, spaces and places and conferences and events and, you know, things where, where your peoples and your tribe would be. Given that we are now in this sort of lockdown scenario in different, different stages and scenarios across the country in Canada and definitely very different globally, um, how would you suggest people go about sort of finding their community, their tribe online in this sort of...
1: Hmm, I'm like oh. that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, what's interesting is, um, well, first off, I have not read the book, but I know Adam Smiley, Pulowski wrote a book, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness. I, I do think that this is a huge trend is feeling isolated and, and having like a hard time. How do you find your people, right? How do you yeah. find your tribe? And, and not
0: getting discouraged when you, you know, the first time you go out, it's not going to work out. Second time you go out, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. Be like, How do you not get discouraged when that happens?
1: Yeah, because I mean, entrepreneurship is great because you all end up, you, you do end up finding people who are like, yeah, I mean, you like, you're on the same page pretty quickly, like with yeah. being a founder, especially if you're at a similar phase. But for me, I mean, thankfully I joined, I don't know if you've ever heard of Elevate, they're certified B Corp. They okay. have a great, they have a ton of events online around women's leadership And they have Mm. squads, which I found very helpful. Oh, um, I like that squad. During COVID. Yeah. So they'll like pair you into groups for like a period of maybe it might be 90 days where you meet like six to eight times over lunch. And uh, or over like very like strategic times and network and or just like get to know this like small squad of women. That was fantastic over COVID. I love squad. (laughs) I know. And then volunteering. I mean, I know that's tricky because it depends on like, if you can find community organizations, like in my community of Raleigh, North Carolina, like I know there's a really active young professionals organization with the chamber or um, a lot of my communities come from volunteering for things like randomly just looking for, are there big events or are there community organizations? Like, for example, there's Creative Mornings. It's like a once a month event that um, right now is digital, but used to be in person. And that's where I found a lot of my people um, when I quit my job. (laughs) And so I mean, a lot of it's just looking, like signing up to local newsletters and then figuring out like, where are those spaces that gather people? Like, are there coworking spaces? Are there like organizations that speak to you? And then also looking even at your profession, like, I know for designers, there's like the AIGA. I don't even know what that stands for, but it's it's for for the designers. They all hang out. And we have a really cool one locally. I mean, that's another, like, because it's it's your tribe. It's like, you've got to find like where people who can relate to your life experience. You know, It, it just depends, but it is hard. Like, I do remember being like leaving college and being like, how do you make friends? Like I had no friends. And when I when I like left my hometown, like North Carolina and I moved to Atlanta for a job. Oh, new place, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in December, had no friends for like six months. It was bad <laughs> <laughs> because of this, right? It is hard to make friends and build your network. So, but it's kind of funny that you say that. Like that
0: physical move is almost mm-hmm. like the same as this move in your life, and people aren't gonna understand it. You're moving away from from their area and their space. So you do have to make new, you know, friends and, you know, reconnect with people in a different or connect with people in a different way. So it's-, it's
1: Oh, you've nailed it. And, <laughs> and those moves are so personally vulnerable. Cause that, I mean, that's mm. the one thing I've realized yeah. is actually there's so much similar with changing like and becoming an entrepreneur. There's actually a ton of parallels to- changing jobs or like changing your career because you're trying to shift your trajectory or trying to like evolve and that is terrifying like and oftentimes you're also in that process becoming more of your true self yeah and in doing that there's terror like natural terror of like being rejected and just know like remember it's kind of like what we talked about earlier (laughs) like it's not personal (laughs) like you've got to just Embrace who you are and know that it's vulnerable and it's going to feel weird, but in time you will, you will find your people. It will happen. Like,
0: but have some courage and do it anyway. And it's exactly is, that is courage and action. Honestly, that's, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, I, as I think about it, it all circles back to that very first question about what would you do with your life if you weren't afraid? Mm-hmm. It's
1: fundamental, and because and and the more you learn to acknowledge, like what does fear feel like? Okay, I'm terrified. This is yes. very uncomfortable. And then learning to feel like, okay, I I hear you. I see you. These are the things that like can help you get past it. Whether it's just ignore it, <laughs> acknowledge <laughs> it and ignore, or that call for help, or yeah. is it just take like what is the one step you can take to like try to get past it, and. Because as you find people, like, I mean, other people in many ways have given me courage, like to go out and, I mean, for example, I think of um, Jess Ekstrom. She founded Headbands for Hope. And um, I know she has this program called Mic Drop Workshop for Speakers. But one thing I've heard her say is, um, she's like, you want to be a keynote speaker? You go on your LinkedIn and you put it on your profile. (laughs) You're just a keynote speaker. Like, put it on your profile. You're a keynote speaker when you say you are, right? Like, there's so many people who like, want to be an author but they're terrified to call themselves an author call yourself (laughs) like you know like own that you're going to be an author because you plan on it and start writing right like just start writing yeah you know don't don't mess around or be worried about you know not being an imposter like just do it because you will get there right like but you have to put the stake in the ground
0: (laughs) it's interesting because it's like everyone's like oh how do I live you know the life I'm meant to lead and I want to be this and I want to be that and how do I do that and it's almost like just be that
1: yeah what's the first step
0: yeah just start (laughs) and that's you know that's kind of profound I'm sure for a lot of people
1: just start it is it's it's scary and it's hard I mean and that's just it like committing to those hard steps like Committing to, I mean, one thing we talk about a lot in the FISO Accelerator's market research. Like you have to go talk to your customers. Like you have to go yeah. put yeah. yourself in uncomfortable situations. So many people, I mean, I, I joke, it's like nobody really wants to eat their vegetables, but like the way you become successful is you eat your vegetables. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Got yeah. to eat your vegetables. Yeah. And, and, and if you can do that, like that's how you, those tiny, tiny uncomfortable steps like add up to, you having grit and becoming an amazing leader and, you know, you being resilient and then like you get to like live up to your full potential and the world needs you to do that.
0: Exactly it. The world needs you to do that. And that's where you'll feel true joy in your own life and figuring out what makes you happy, what drives satisfaction for you, what does success look like for you? That's how you, that's how you do it just by being you.
1: Seems 100%.
0: <laughs> oh, that's Seems so beautiful. So <laughs> simple, but not easy, but becomes easy eventually.
1: <laughs> and it does. And also know that it's not the accomplishments. Like that no. that, that was a- Accolades and
0: accomplishments. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. not that. I mean, yes, those are cool temporarily, but I mean- Temporarily one of the...
0: <laughs> is the key thing there.
1: It is so temporary. Intriguing. Yes. It is. Like one of the most unhappy times in my life was when I got like a B Corp award. And it was such this weird dissonance where I was like, I was like engaged. I just got engaged. And I won this like MVP award of a global movement. And I'm like, this is so cool. And at the same time, like I was not doing well. I was not happy at work. Like I was in a weird life transition. And, and so it's just so funny, that like, It's not accomplishments that make you happy. It is one hundred percent like, what is your life? What is your day to day? What kind of work do you like doing? What kind of environment do you like to be in? I mean, it's actually the little things. It's you know finding meaning in every day versus, yeah. Oh man, I'm really cool or I'm a I'm an award winner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That is um, highly anticlimactic experience it will be if that's if that's how you're the only way that you're defining success exactly absolutely well this has been an incredible conversation it's tremendous life lessons for our listeners is there any other words of wisdom that you would like to share before we wrap up
1: uh, oh man you know what? I feel like this, this is, there's one thing we haven't talked about that is similar Focus. to kind of what we had on earlier, which is I really, one thing I've been embracing a lot this year is I love this idea of pursuing recognition for being respected versus being liked. So it's very Ooh, similar to our goodness. conversation. Yeah. yeah. I heard that from Donald Miller and he was like, yeah, true leaders are worried about being respected versus liked. And I was like, that is profound because in many ways, I've never thought about that. I'm like, is this a decision that someone would respect or maybe even not, but, but at least like I respect that I did that. I respect myself versus did I do something someone didn't like? Oh, well, you know, like I'd rather be the leader that's respected, that's making, you know, strategic decisions versus the
0: leader that's that almost ties back to the people pleasing. Like that's yeah. letting go of the people pleasing to the next level is to to be and act in a way where you will be respected. And it doesn't matter if it's liked. Yeah. Is what what really makes makes the difference.
1: Totally. And especially as a woman that feels like the right lens yeah. to adopt and also yeah. it feels really empowering. Like I don't care if you like me, but I hope you'll respect why I made this decision.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think if we act respectfully um, and with with authority and respectfully, I think women as percent struggle with that, right? Like we are taught from a, and this is a massive generalization, but we are taught from a very early age that you have to be nice. You have to be polite. You have to make everybody happy. You gotta take care of everybody. And so, undoing those stories and that script for women, um, I think, and not that, you know, men go through it as well, I'm sure, but as a general populace, (laughs) uh, I think women struggle with that much more and it does feel so empowering when you're able to let that go.
1: Exactly. And it doesn't mean that you have a past to be like a jerk. Or I mean, it means no, be respectful. No, no. <laughs> yeah, You know, it's, it's respectful, right? Like if you want to be respected, you are respectful yes. and you just own who you are and your power. And I love the word, I mean, your authority. Yeah. And
0: it, you actually can't be respectful and be like blatantly rude or demeaning of anybody at the same time. Like respectful. Right means that you are um treating that other person there's no other word for it i'm like what's the word with respect (laughs) yeah (laughs) way to describe it so um yeah so you, you won't be being rude you won't be being dismissive you're just being respectful so and you know the power of attraction that we talked about before if you are respectful hopefully you attract and create
1: that respect in your own life
0: as you go 100
1: and you will like and that's what's incredible is being like three plus years into it (laughs) I mean it's just been so amazing to be like wow like all of this like I can't believe I'm now surrounded in my life by like such wonderful amazing collaborative fantastic people and I, I like it's almost too good to be true sometimes and so just know like to go on that bold path, to go through, I mean, to unravel and take that, take that journey, like succeed or fail. It's so worth it. Like no matter where you land, you will land somewhere better. And, and once you start believing you deserve better in your life, Mm. it will show up. I mean, when you start holding other people to a higher standard, like that is a standard that you will eventually get in your life, which is just amazing
0: that is spectacular i think you have been an inspiration to me you've definitely been an inspiration to a lot of our listeners and i you know i think back to my intro of you you certainly are a trail trailblazer (laughs) and uh you know thank you just thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your journey um it truly is an inspiration for us so
1: no likewise thank you for creating this show and for having me amazing thank you so much